Downtown Productions in cooperation with Zone Radio presents Downtown, the podcast. From the historic Zone Radio studios, here's your host, Rich Kimball. Oh, you bet. Welcome in. It is Downtown, the podcast, episode number 183. Rich Kimball here, along with Carrie Haskell. We're brought to you every week by Cross Insurance, where security meets strength couple interesting conversations for you this week. A little bit later on, we talk with TV's Michael Gray, the actor who starred as Billy Batson in Shazam back in the 1970s. Plays himself on the recent episodes of Archer. He's got an interesting story. We'll talk with Michael a bit later on. But uh, up first, a good friend of the program. Uh, he's joined us before with his musical partner in crime, Bill Moomy, best known as uh, Art Barnes. He is Artie Barnes. In real life, he's Robert Hamer. And he joined us recently to talk about the newest album and a very different type of album from Barnes and Barnes called Pancake Dream. So, Artie, thank you so much for being with us. Oh, thank you, Rich. It's great to be back with you. I think we did this a couple years ago when we had a, a Holiday in Lumania album out, uh, a Christmassy thing. Absolutely. And we love that album so much. And I was so excited to see that uh, you guys had a new one out. We had talked uh, with Art and his uh, his other guys uh, as Bill Moomy. Yeah. And uh, we talked about some new music coming. But man, I, I, as soon as I got this, I couldn't wait to get home, open it up and play it. Pancake Dream is fantastic. And it's such a I, I would say it's it's atmospheric. It's hypnotic. And I would say in a good way, it's a little claustrophobic. Yes. Yes. Well, you nailed it. I'm, I'm glad that you seem to get it. And, and I thank you so much for your time and that you've listened to the thing. We're, we're really excited about it. So I'm, I'm out here starting to promote. It's coming out tomorrow, Demented Punk Records. It's a wild experience. It's, uh, it's a deeply personal, strange album. It's not, uh, you don't look for, for comedy so much as theatrical. I, I've got a bunch of adjectives in front of me, so I don't, you know, because I'm trying to let people know what they're in for. It's quite an experience. It's, if I can ramble, it's ambient music, it's soundscapes, it's it's depressing in, in parts, I, but it, it's it's touching. I love, I'm loving to listen to it still and watching the DVDs we made. Uh, it's it's weird. It's it's like a fine wine. It's got a deep purple hue, like a Merlot wine. It's <laughs> it's honest. It's raw and challenging, but it's rewarding. It needs to be heard several times at loud volume so you can soak it all in. <laughs> And we've got COVID issues, political issues from both sides of the aisle. And really, you know how we're describing it is it's, it's a twilight zone, pancake dream. It's like a twilight zone. And, and my partner, Art Barnes, otherwise known as Bill Moomy, he knows about twilight zones. He starred in three of the best ones. And really, this album has a lot of dialogue. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, it's got songs. It's got everything. It's, uh, it's never been an album quite like this. So I'm really excited about it. And here I am. And clearly influenced by what we've all been going through uh, in the course of the last 18 or 19 months. And that comes through uh, in a number of songs. Uh, Worry comes to mind, Peace of Mind, but, but so many others that, that talk about the state we've all been in, whether it's dealing with the pandemic directly or just yeah. being cooped up with our people for a long time. Yeah, uh, yeah, and we were cooped up. This was pretty much done over the end of Christmas uh, into the new year. It was really done in about two weeks, and a lot of the credit goes to Art Barnes, who uh, physically put the thing together and, and spent lots of time editing. And then, uh, you know, I'll talk about the videos in a minute, but um, 
a lot of the album, like I said, has dialogue and, and uh, real voice text. Uh, Art and I talk 20, 30 times a day, but mostly through voice text. So, you know, I'll send him my thoughts of that minute. He'll send me back thoughts and personal stuff. And he used, he, he saved and used on the album tons of my voice text and some of his where I'm talking about, you know, we're getting older and, you know, uh, personal health issues, and they're all on the record. And I don't think anyone's ever done anything like this before. So, yeah, again, it's exciting. It's, yeah, oh, my gosh. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's you know, theatrical soundscapes. It's a movie. Yeah, it is indeed. Uh, we're talking with uh, Robert Hamer, Artie Barnes of Barnes & Barnes. The new album is Pancake Dream from Demented Punk Records. And, uh, boy, the one that, that got me right away, because in my, in my real life, when I'm not on the radio, I'm a high school history teacher. And, boy, did I love American history and, and what that has to say about where we are right now. Oh, that's great. You know, that, uh, that that's, we did 13 videos, which I'll get into, but that's the first one that just dropped today. And people can go see it right now on, uh, there's a site, uh, Brooklyn Vegan, brooklynvegan.com, and it's also on YouTube, I just uh, discovered. So American History, yeah, it's a slow-burning ballad which a, with a lot of, uh, and Art wrote that one, it's a lot of personal stuff in it. Uh, and on the video, you'll see a bunch of the, uh, uh, Art put a bunch of his friends that have passed away in the video, and they're friends of mine too, some of them. And it gets political a little bit with the images, and uh, it's a really a wild ride, as all these videos are that are dropping soon. And so you, yeah, it's, it's it's getting out there. And and you mentioned uh, those who are no longer with us, and you addressed that head on in the opening song on the CD. I have so many friends in heaven. Yes, uh, that you know what this this album really makes me it, it makes me feel, and I get depressed over a lot of the songs, but. In a beautiful way, yeah. I have so many friends in heaven. Yeah, they, we list a bunch of our friends that are gone, and then we list a bunch of our friends that are still here. And I don't think anybody writes and records songs about this stuff, but we did. And that's one of the reasons I love it so much is we tackled some things that I've never heard on disc before or vinyl and a video. And, uh, yeah, that song, uh, that that's one of the several songs that really touched me. I, and I, you know what? I'm the biggest Barnes & Barnes fan, or there's no point in us doing this. <laughs> and I am actually, I'm enthralled with this record and these videos. I just, I'm, I'm listening to it daily and just, uh, it's just a lot of fun. And, uh, boy, uh, if, if I can talk about the videos for a minute. Yeah, please do. We, we ended up doing, oh, this is a, it's a monumental project for us. And that's why I'm out here talking about it. Um, we ended up doing a video for every song, 13 tracks, 13 videos. And uh, Demented Punk Records has been phenomenal, and they're heavy into merchandising. But one of the main things that they did is we didn't know we were going to do any videos. Uh, but uh, they have all been put together on a DVD that comes as an extra when you buy the bundled version of the album from Demented Punk. Uh, you get colored. You get the two-disc colored vinyl with the amazing packaging and cover. People are already telling me they're flipped out about it. You get a CD, the DVD, shirts, hats, buttons, posters. Uh, John Caffiero, who is the uh, who runs uh, Demented Punk Records, is just uh, he's phenomenal. He's got this punk and comedy music sensibility, but he's a, he also knows how to market and uh, do merchandising. He handles the merchandising, I believe, for the Misfits. He's also the Misfits manager. And he's worked with the Ramones, so you know those are two of the biggest merchandisers of T-shirts in the world. And John's just an amazing guy; he's one of my good friends now. But he believes in Barnes and Barnes, and uh, it's all out there. And so the DVD is—we ended up doing all 13 songs. 
you wouldn't believe what you're able to do at home now with an iPhone and the video editing the machinery that you, you've got on computers. And it just looks like it looks like a five million dollar thing, but it didn't cost five million dollars. <laughs> and um, so now, when you get the DVD, you sit and you watch and listen at the same time, and it becomes a whole ten times greater theatrical type experience. I, you know, I've got a big screen TV with a sound bar, and I crank it, crank it up in the dark, and I've been watching this daily for months. And I'm, you know, removing myself from the equation that I'm half the thing here. I'm just astounded that we're able to pull it off. So yeah, I'm really excited. I want people to to watch the DVD. And, um, you know, it also, this stuff's going to be blanketed on the internet with social media, YouTube. We have a great Facebook page that some fans put up that I'm very involved in. I give a lot of content, rare Barnes and Barnes videos, pictures up on uh, YouTube, and we're having a lot of fun with it and getting a lot of response. So the, the videos will be there. The videos will be everywhere. Just look up Barnes and Barnes on the internet. You'll find us. I will say this, too, and it's the hallmark of, of what John Caffiero does at Demented Punk Records, that the music is great, and you have to start with that. But everything looks so good. The artwork, again, on this collection is just so phenomenal. Yeah, uh, John pulled that off. He had a, a special Pancake Dream uh, cover commissioned, and then he found some astonishing images of young Art and Artie that he put uh, onto the pages, uh, glossy, beautiful packaging. You'll see little Art and Artie with their goggles and their their beaded shirts when we were three years old. It's just really a really astounding image. And the back cover is, it, the whole thing is just, I'm, I'm, I'm just amazed. But uh, John pulled it off. He's, he's that kind of guy. <laughs> One of my favorites. One of my favorite songs on the album, Artie, and I, I dare I say it, it's almost got a, a, a Bee Gees vibe to it. Is yes. uh, all mine so fine? Yes, yes. Uh, I think if anything's going to get uh, you know a ton of airplay, which would be wonderful, it, it's that cut. I agree. I'm glad you said that. Um, yeah, it's got a Bee Gees vibe to it. Uh, mostly written by Art Barnes, and um, you'll you know you listen to it and watch the video too. Hopefully, and it'll it, it all comes alive. You know the. Um, it's so funny. I'm really having fun in my uh, my older years here, uh, exploring the Artie Barnes character, which has never really been fleshed out until now. But now I've got the the scary gray beard. I, I put on the the hat. I put on the the goggles that we used to wear on the you know the fish heads video and other uh, projects from 42 years ago. I still have them, and I put those on, and I, I I take my iPhone and I shoot crazy videos of scary Artie Barnes, and I'm creepy. But I think people see the wink in my eye. It's all in fun. There's nothing. There's, it's not dirty. It's, there's no blood and guts. But uh, Artie has become like a scary clown. That's, that's how I'm looking at myself. So there's a continuity in all these videos. It's 50 minutes long. It's the Barnes and Barnes movie called Pancake Dream, and uh, audio and video. And there's a continuity of Artie being in these videos, being scary and mugging for the camera, and also art. Art's brilliant in these videos too, and he's scary, and he's wearing the uh, mostly wearing the goggles too, and hats, and uh, he's acting, and you know, but he's acting out the songs, and ranting and playing his guitar, and oh my god, we put our dogs in these videos. The images are really astonishing, and um, yeah, I keep using that word astonishing, but um, so anyway, Artie is like the creepy clown, but it's a fun thing, and after I end up watching this every day lately. The last few months while we worked on it and finishing it is Artie becomes like a character from he's a Halloween character now. And, you know, <laughs> it's Gary Artie Barnes. So I'm having a blast. It's really been fun.
<laughs> well, now, last time when you and Art were on together talking about the holidays in Lumania, uh, Art said that you were the guy who had to uh, to bring him back. When he started to get into some some particularly dark places, you were the one who kind of pulled him uh, back into somewhat safer territory. Is that still Artie's role? No, you know what? I'm not sure if that's true. I think he's pulled me back. <laughs> I think his head is on a little straighter in some ways than mine lately, but uh, and he, he kind of corrals me. But, uh, you know, we have a really interesting dynamic that goes back. You know, we've been doing Barnes & Barnes for 51 years. We've been friends since we were 12. That's even more than 51 years. But um, we have a weird dynamic. You know, we're an old married couple, <laughs> almost. You know, not really. We actually are married 30 years with wonderful women and we each have two kids but you know any relationship gets crazy and we have our dynamic but you know art's been my best friend and we've had fun other than bars and bars we you know we collected comic books we we chased young girls in the day you know it was we had a great time i, I look back and I, I had a great life but this also seems to be a really productive time for you guys musically yeah you know what we're going for it we're right now yeah that's why you're talking to me is because I'm, I'm going for it um I did for twenty or thirty years. We 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 did bar, some Barnes and Barnes stuff, but it took a backseat to uh, real life and uh, making some money and doing other things and uh, having kids and raising kids. You know, and for twenty twenty five years, you raise kids, you do doctor appointments and little league and pick up at school and drive to school and homework. And I got busy with that for at least twenty years, and then the kids are off to college. It's like okay. I'm going to get back to doing some Barnes and Barnes stuff, and uh, it's a re it's a Renaissance period. I'm having a great time, so yeah, we'll see we'll see what happens. We're we're doing it. Well, fans are going to love it. Uh, the new collection, Pancake Dream, comes out officially tomorrow. But uh, check out the videos. Go to the Facebook page as well. You are going to love it. It is. Uh, it's an experience, uh, unlike uh, anything I can think of musically. It just. I popped it in my car, and I said, I've got to pull over so I can focus on this. <laughs> it just takes you to a different place. It, it does. And you know what? I, I love what you're saying about it because it, it shows me that you get it. And I hope to say that to uh, other people that listen to it. It's like, okay, you get it. I mean, I'm not sure I totally get it, but I, I think it is a unique listening experience. It's Yeah, don't, you don't put it on thinking you're just going to hear a bunch of weird songs or pop songs or anything like it's 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 a uh, a moving personal deep uh, you know experience yeah it's, yeah it's but i and i would say with, with songs like you know trust uh, go to sleep billy hamer's dead it's profound if that's not too much to say no i love that that's i love that you know i'm i'm, I'm trying to uh, remember everyone's words because this thing is just starting to, to hit the streets now with the videos and the audio so yeah profound i'm going to use i'm going to use that word as an as an adjective i'm going to say people are telling me it's profound so maybe it is there you go i love <laughs> it well that's that's amazing well it, it is so great to talk with you robert Artie. great to have you back with us again give our best to uh bill art and we wish you much success with pancake dream and uh, as soon as the show's over i'm getting in the car and popping it out again because i just love it Excellent. Pancake Dream, Barnes & Barnes, Demented Punk Records. It's it's hitting the streets and the airways and, and social media and YouTube. So uh, keep an eye out for it. And thank you so much, Rich. It's always great to be with you. I hope we can do it again. I'm around. Artie Barnes, Robert Hamer of Barnes & Barnes, talking with us about their new album, Pancake Dream. It is a, it's a different sound. It's, um, uh, Barnes & Barnes have done some, some introspective things before. Mm. And, uh, 
But this one, this one's pretty, pretty deep stuff. It is, and uh, I feel like it gave them uh, their musical talents a little more yeah. time to shine because they're both very accomplished musicians. Mm. So Absolutely. Uh, check it out, Pancake Dream, uh, the new collection from Barnes & Barnes. A quick word from our friends at Cross Insurance, and when we come back, we talk with TV's Michael Gray, next on Downtown. Since its founding in 1954, Cross Insurance has grown from a small family-owned agency that started in Bangor, Maine, into one of the largest super regional insurance agencies in New England. With the network of offices throughout New England, Cross Insurance works with top carriers to provide maximum value to you, your family, and your business. We are proud to be the official insurance broker of the New England Patriots and would welcome the chance to provide security for your team. For more information, visit CrossInsurance.com. Cross Insurance, where security meets strength. Chosen from among all others by the immortal elders Solomon, Hercules, Atlas, Zeus, Achilles, Mercury, Billy Batson and his mentor travel the highways and byways of the land on a never-ending mission to right wrongs, to develop understanding, and to seek justice for all. In time of dire need, young Billy has been granted the power by the immortals to summon awesome forces at the utterance of a single word. Shazam! Oh, man. Boy, if that doesn't take you back, well, you must be young. <laughs> 1974, Shazam premiered Saturday mornings, and it was must-see for a whole lot of folks uh, of a certain age here. Our next guest on Downtown played Billy Batson, and uh, he's had an interesting career. He was uh, quite accomplished before that, and in recent years has played himself on a number of episodes of Archer. Michael Gray joining us here on Downtown. Michael, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Rich. How you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. Appreciate you making some time for us uh, this afternoon. Now, we we think of uh, as Shazam, Billy Batson, as the start of your career, but you were a pretty busy young actor long before that, and I, I was looking back at some of the credits, and, boy, you appeared on, on one of the great series of the late 60s and early 70s, and we've talked to, my gosh, Cindy Williams, Ed Begley Jr., and several others who appeared on Room 222. What was that experience like for you? That was actually my first job. As soon as I got out of Pasadena Playhouse, my first audition was a pilot in Room 222, and I was cast. I thought, this is easy. I signed a seven-year <laughs> contract with Fox, and the next thing I knew, pilot was my last part. Boy, Pasadena, pa Pasadena Playhouse, though, what a... What a training ground that has been for so many talented actors through the years it was yeah i had some good classmates that went on to become quite successful like sally struthers for all in the family and other people as well sally another friend of our show uh, who's been on with us uh, a big break for you came uh, in 1972 when you uh, got a, an important part as ronnie collins on the brian keith show and uh that that opened some doors for you it did yeah Warner Brothers cast me in that in 1972. I was living in Hawaii for six months shooting the show. It was fantastic. But one of the problems I had was the fact that my manager owned Tiger Beat Magazine at the time. So they were promoting the show all over the place. So a lot of people were thinking that I was the star of the show. I wasn't. It was Brian Keith. And one magazine came out one day, and it said, Michael Gray star of the little people. Well, I wasn't. <laughs> so the next season, I wasn't on the show any longer. <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is. 
<laughs> now, yeah, you did work with our friend uh, Shelley Fabre on the show. We, we've talked about that uh, in online conversations. Uh, she's just one of the nicest people you could ever deal with. I love working with Shelley. It was amazing. When I found out I was working with Shelley on that show, I was totally blown away. She was so nice, so sweet, so talented. What a wonderful, wonderful lady. Now, what led to you appearing with Dick Clark on American Bandstand? That was actually an error on IMDb's part. Oh. What happened was I did a show called Pop, which was a, a variety talk show starring Davy Jones. He was the host. I did one episode. The people that produced it produced American Bandstand. So that's how they made a mistake. It was I did do a, 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 an auto show with Dick Clark when we were doing car shows back in the 70s, but I never did American Bandstand. I did a show called Pop. Because now, it was the same production company, people thought it was American Bandstand. Uh-huh. Now, you, you did do an episode of the Brady Bunch. It was a, you played, what was it Marsha's boyfriend? Yeah, I played Jeff, her boyfriend. It's called Marsha. Uh, Marsha gets creamed. <laughs> she creamed me with whipped cream. She shot me all over the place with whipped cream because I cheated on her. <laughs> <laughs> now, you became, and you mentioned Tiger Beat. I mean, you, you became a, a teen idol. I have to think that's... That's got to be unsettling for anybody to to go from just being an actor, plying your trade, to then, in in many ways, and I, you mentioned it in other interviews, you couldn't go a lot of places. Was it uh, was it an Osmonds concert where you had to actually exit across the stage just to get away from people? Yeah. Well, the thing with Tiger Beat, yes, first of all, the Osmond concert was at the Forum in Los Angeles, and I went with my manager and a bunch of other people from Tiger Beat, we were about fifth row center, so we're walking down to our seats. And as we got close to the seats, people started screaming, there's Michael Gray. Next thing I knew, people were pulling my hair, tearing my clothes. And right after that, security threw me into a broom closet. So I didn't ever, I never saw the show. I spent the whole hour and a half or whatever it was in a broom closet. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing that Tiger Beat, what happened, the real start of my career is actually was quite interesting. I did a TV movie of the week called Run, Simon, Run with Burt Reynolds. I had a very small part. I played Burt Reynolds' brother in this TV movie of the week. And a bunch of teeny boppers saw it and started writing letters and calling Tiger Beat saying, who is Michael Gray? We just saw him in Run, Simon, Run with Burt Reynolds. So they didn't know who I was. They contacted my agent. Agent told me that they wanted to talk to me about doing some interviews. So I went over to Tiger Beat magazine, did an interview with them in a photo session. Next thing I know, they were getting more and more letters from people do more stories on Michael Gray. So the articles kept getting bigger. The pictures kept getting bigger. <laughs> Next thing I know, the owner of Tiger Beat became my manager. And at that point, I was all over the place. That's one of the reasons why little people are so successful, because the demographics were so high, because the Tiger Beat people were all watching the little people. And one thing after another, just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I even recorded songs like, you know, Bobby Sherman did, David Cassidy. We were going to release songs. I was going to go on tours. But it was difficult because there were times I couldn't even leave my building, my apartment building. People were standing out front waiting for me. I couldn't leave. So it, it was fun, but it was a little difficult at times. Like the Forum, for example, the Osmond concert was <laughs> difficult. <laughs> we're talking with Michael Gray here on Downtown. Well, in 1974, uh, Shazam premiered. It became an immediate success. Uh, you playing the role of... Billy Batson, did you have any idea at the time that this this would take off the way it did? I did not. It was quite interesting. My agent actually called me and said, 
Filmation Studios wants you to come out. They want to talk to you about playing Billy Batson in Shazam. So I drove out there. I walked into the office, and Les Tremaine was sitting in there. And I flipped out. A legend is sitting in the office. They said, this is Les Tremaine. He's playing mentor in Shazam. Would you like to play Billy Batson in the, in the TV series? I said, sure. So we shot it for three seasons. I loved it. It was a lot of fun doing it. It was a great show. I never expected it to be so successful. And it's, the resurgence now is still continuing. It's amazing. And one of the reasons the ratings were so high is because of demographics, because most Saturday morning TV shows, they're kids. Because of my popularity in Tiger Beat magazine, now the demographics were like from 5 to 20. So that's one of the reasons why the show was so popular as well, because a lot of teenagers watching it who don't mm -hmm. usually watch Saturday morning TV. Now, I think I read somewhere along the way that uh, of all the episodes, and then it was it was so well done, but was it uh, Little Boy Lost that was your favorite episode? I loved all of them, but that one was one of my favorites, yes. It was so well written. It was a very sad story by a little boy who had some mental issues, and I tried to help him, try to help his father to do the right things with him, and there was a scene where I actually rescued him in the ocean with his puppy, he was adorable. The puppy was adorable. I loved doing that show. It was a really well-written show, and uh, the director, was a, he did a great job, too. I loved it. Now, did you ever actually, uh, were you ever in the same studio with, with the elders? How did that work? A couple of times we did it on a soundstage, you know, when I talked to the elders. But most of the time, whenever I said Shazam, they would just switch back to that, me talking <laughs> to the elders. But a couple of times I actually did it in a soundstage, but everything we shot was on location. So whenever I said Shazam, when the thing went off, started flashing, and I said to mentor, the elders are calling, whatever, then they just flashed back to that scene we originally shot of me talking to the elders. <laughs> well, the show was a huge hit, but sometimes, Michael, that can be a double-edged sword, and, and you... Well, you found, as other actors who've been successful have found, that, that you were getting typecast, and, and people... People thought that you could only play that kind of role, and that, that had to be difficult for you as a young actor. It was, because I, yeah, I was doing well. I did The Little People, then The Brady Bunch, and other episodes of some other TV shows, and then I was a regular on Shazam. And then I started going on auditions, and producers and directors say, we can't cast you in this part. You're too identifiable as Billy Batson. So after a while, I finally gave up the career. I said, I got this is not going to work anymore. So that's when I started doing other jobs. Yeah, you and your wife owned a flower shop for quite some time, right? We did. We bought a flower shop in West Hollywood and ran it for quite a few years, then moved into Beverly Hills. Had some great clients in the business. I mean, just amazing. Our favorites were Ozzy and Sharon Osbourne. But we had uh, Barry Gordy as a client. We had, uh, oh, my gosh, Aaron Spelling and his wife were clients. It was, it was pretty amazing. It was a lot of fun. Now, was it about uh, nine or ten years ago that uh, you started going to some of the Comic-Cons? And, and were you were you stunned by the reaction when you started seeing some of these old fans of the show? I was. I totally was. My first Comic-Con I did, actually, I, went, I wasn't really a guest. I was just, I went down with Warner Brothers at San Diego Comic-Con to promote the release of Shazam on DVD. So I did the panel, and it was probably... 1,500 people in the audience, and they were all standing up and screaming when I walked out on stage. Totally blew me away. And then afterwards, I sat at a table, and people and I started lining up. I thought, this is pretty cool. 
the resurgence. You know, this is 1972. It was quite a few years after Shazam was off the air in 1976. So then I started doing more Comic-Cons around the country, and I loved it. It was great. So surprised. And before that, I was doing the car shows when the Shazam was on. And they were very similar to Comic-Con, the same concept, same idea. I got to work with a lot of cool celebrities in that, too. The same concept. You sit on stage at a table, people lining up to get your autographs, talk to you, take pictures with you. Same idea as a Comic-Con. A lot of fun. I loved it. So how did you end up working and doing a number of episodes of the great series Archer? Well, that's a very interesting story, actually. My son was watching Archer one night, and... This particular episode, Archer and Lana were laying out by the pool, and Archer had amnesia. And he said to his, to said to Lana, what was the name of that guy who played Billy Batson in Shazam? So for a second, he said, oh, yeah, it was Michael Gray. That's it. So my son called me and said, you know, they just mentioned your name on Archer. <laughs> I said, no, I didn't watch it. He said they did. So I contacted Adam Reed, the creator and the writer of Archer, and the executive producer. I contacted him. He and I talked. He liked Shazam. Next thing I know, I did four episodes. I did two, one called Drastic Voyage 1, Drastic Voyage 2. That was season 7, I think. <laughs> and then season 10, I did two more. So it was a lot of fun. I liked it. And I played TV's Michael Gray, and Archer was a fan of Shazam. So it was pretty cool. Well, Typecasting we... actually helped with that, Archer. <laughs> with Archer. <laughs> well, it was fantastic to, uh, to, to hear your voice and, and see you on the show in that way. And for anybody, um, so many of us who were fans of Shazam, I think our first reaction was, was, is that really Michael Gray? And if so, wow, that's awesome. It was fun. I liked doing it. And those animators were amazing. They did a great job. It almost looked like it was live action. They were so good, so talented. So uh, now, what are you up to these days? Uh, other than uh, doing, uh, again, some of the comic cons, what are you up to that, uh, that keeps you in touch with the fans? Well, right now, I'm, I did, just did I just shot my third Surge of Power movie. Surge of Power is a <clears throat> excuse me, it's the first openly gay superhero, and he, a guy named Vincent Roth, plays Surge of Power. He's an executive producer. He created this movie. They're all short, short subject movies, and he's had a lot of um, cameo guest stars on there, like Lou Ferrigno did them, Linda Blair did one, Shannon Farnham, the original Wonder Woman voice. I just shot one uh, about four months ago. I'm doing pickup shots next month. So I did my third one, and I'll be finishing it in December. I did the short subject movies. Most of them are on DVD. A couple of them end up in a few theaters. So that's what I'm doing right now, and I might end up doing a, a fourth one, too, as possible. And John Davy, actually, who played Captain Marvel, was in the last Surge of Power movie with me as well. Well, that's wonderful. Uh, well, uh, you can follow Michael uh, on Twitter at TV's Michael Gray. Uh, Michael, uh, enjoyed your work back then. Enjoy your work on Archer. And uh, it's great for us to have the opportunity to talk with you this afternoon. Thank you so much for visiting with us today. Rich, it's my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks a lot. Well, that was fun stuff. Michael Gray, TV's Michael Gray, talking with us here on Downtown the Podcast. Blast from the past right there, Carrie. <laughs> And it's always fun to not only hear those, usually I'm playing those off of online videos. So I got to sort of see that opening once again. Oh, and, yeah. Man, the animated gods and <laughs> the elders. That's great stuff. Hey, our thanks to Michael Gray. Thanks as well to Artie Barnes of Barnes & Barnes, Robert Hamer. And thanks to you for joining us on the podcast. We'll see you next time here on Downtown.